Hello all, and welcome to another episode of the Sweet and Sour Podcast. I'm Britt, aka Sour, and we have Mitch here with us, aka Sweet. And today's on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about movement. And I want to get us started with a thought slash quote by the Foot Collective. And Mitch, I want to get your thoughts on that. And more specifically, what it means to you. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. If you treat a movement problem with fitness, you are part of the problem. It's intense. That's my. It's like a mic drop. To you. Yeah. So, the idea of if you treat a movement problem with a fitness problem, well, I think another way to say that would uh, would be to replace the word fitness with exercise. Okay. And. When people do exercise, they do sets and reps, maybe they do a weight or body weight, there's a time domain, or you know, it's a task or time priority, something like that. And that's not gonna fix necessarily a movement problem, which if we were to take like an example of you have a drop of water is exercise and fitness. Mm-hmm. The entire ocean is movement, mm. right? So movement is so much more, and if the only time you're going to be moving is with sets and reps, then you're for sure not going to be able to fix your movement problem because you're not going to be taking the right frame of mind, and you're not going to be taking, in my opinion, likely then the, the best action steps to actually solve it. And that's what that, that's what that quote means to me. That's what that quote means to me. Do you feel like you've always had or practiced that viewpoint and if not when did that really begin for you no i definitely have not always practiced that viewpoint really the foot collective were the first group to really open my my eyes to that and uh i'd say the biggest shift in change came after i had passed my cfl3 so i had taken years to study for that passed it and I kind of hit a point where it was like, all right, well, what's, what's next? What's the next thing I can learn from or learn, or learn in? Not saying that CrossFit always won't be a great resource because they are, and they're really doing a great job leading the forefront of getting people involved and addressing overarching concerns with things like Big Soda and how you know processed foods are, but I think that something that the Foot Collective does great on that, that – CrossFit might miss out on a little bit is the whole point of movement is so much more than just exercise said by that quote. And so when I had the biggest shift in thought towards looking at movement as more of a thing would have been, like I said, right when I passed, I wasn't sure what to do next. I looked at the Foot Collective. I really looked loved what they were doing. I joined the Foot Nerd program and I kind of started to you know practice what I had seen them preach before I was able to then preach it myself and then practice it. Mm -hmm. And that was just spending way more time moving, like changing the positions that I'm in, uh, doing different types of animal and yoga flow, but not to sets and reps, just like, hey, I need to just move more throughout the day. And when I did that, I started to realize how much better I was feeling all the time and how issues that I had in CrossFit, whether it was with my squat or my press overhead, all of a sudden started to get way better. The biggest difference that I noticed besides a reduce uh, in chronic pain was my stiffness almost completely went away. And they have another 
quote that I saw on there where um, it's essentially stiffness hides instability. Mm -hmm. And the amount of range of motion and stability I've gained through doing no exercises, right? I'm not doing sets and reps. I'm not sitting down and doing a bunch of different like, you know, BOSU ball stability things and then a bunch of different ITs and Ys to get my shoulder blades ready. I'm just spending time going through natural positions, mm -hmm. trying to find as many positions I can get into as possible, whether they're standing uh, on all fours or lying on your back in a um, supine position. And it has been the best thing I've done to help really fix my movement and in doing so, make my exercise way better. And how do you think that that's informed and impacted how you work with your clients and even how you coach? So I think the biggest impact could be shared in an example. Okay. If you're a coach in any type of fitness facility and you have someone come in or you've had an athlete with you for a while and they're doing squats and you see maybe that they could have their knees out a little bit more, maybe their heels lift up a little bit, mm -hmm. or maybe they're rounding just a little bit, or for those of us that are CrossFit coaches, maybe they have an immature squat position, right? If your immediate thought is to say, hey, well, let's just have you do squat therapy, or let's have you do a little bit of abandoned mobilization and some squat therapy or some type of stability piece, and then get you back into squatting again and see, and oh yeah, you're improved. I think that is one of the worst possible ways to look at it mm -hmm. because it doesn't solve the issue of why it's happening. And this will be from Gray Cook. We need to uh, protect, correct, develop. So when you do the squat therapy, when you do the bands, all you're doing is trying to correct and develop. And you're missing the point of the protection, which is why it's happening. So instead, what I would do with athletes now, because I used to do that, instead what I would do with mm -hmm. athletes now is I would ask them what they do most of the day as far as do they sit at work? Do they sit when they go home? Mm -hmm. I also look at the shoes that they're wearing and I ask them what type of shoes they wear throughout the day. Because how can we expect to move really well if I just sat for six hours at work, then sat as I drove to the gym, and then I'm just gonna spend 10 to 15 minutes warming up and then just be able to think that I'm gonna crush back squats and running, even though I'm wearing cushioned shoes with a positive heel and a narrow toe box. When you think of it from that way, it makes no sense. So I felt I had learned that I was essentially doing not the best that I could with athletes and looking at it from a movement perspective, not an exercise perspective and even broader, a lifestyles perspective. That's when I was able to begin making really big lasting differences in people's lives with also much quicker results. And then how do you think, right? So learning about those things and that exposure to the foot collective and then after passing your L3 mm -hmm. that's affected how you train it's also affected how you coach and develop other athletes how do you think that that's impacted the way that you interact with movement from a place of like personal pleasure and or recreation I can say that I have a lot more fun while I'm training because or I have a lot more fun all the time because it's not just, hey, I'm gonna to exercise to try and look better, or I'm gonna to exercise to try and win this competition, or you know, to beat someone else, or to beat other people on other teams. I think that what CrossFit has really been great with has 
always been it allows you to work out in a community but you know kind of going to like a solitude aspect that can only last so long if there's not just constant stimulus all the time and so i think when you kind of look inward in a way it allows you and you look at movement from a much broader perspective you know and you, and you spend more of the day moving i think it i think it elicits a really deep change because we're made, we are evolved to move way more than we currently do. And it's no surprise to me that people have chronic pain and they feel stiff and they feel terrible most of the time when they might be standing all day or sitting all day. And anyone that went through any schooling has now become a professional sitter. We're all professional sitters. And it's just allowed me to have so much more fun because I feel like that I'm finally doing more of what my body spent millions of years evolving to do, right? And I mean that in the sense of it feels so natural. You're not exercising for something. You're exercising because it was, it's like something that you're supposed to do. And, and what I learned in uh, a book by Katie Bowman called Move Your DNA was that, uh, I, I, what's the field? Paleontology, right? The group of people that study the history of of different groups of, of people or, or fossil researchers or something or other. I could totally be saying that ass backwards, but the point is people that are really smart that study people back in time essentially were like they moved for about in completely varying degrees for about 3,000 minutes a week. It's essentially a, a 40 to 50 hour work week, but of moving. And so when you compare that to what's recommended right now, 150 minutes, I find it to be ridiculous. It's kind of like, do you want to move just those 150 minutes or just those 30, 60 minutes a day, five to seven days a week? Or do you want to move how you could and how you eventually should, knowing that it'll change your life and you'll feel drastically better in a bunch of other ways? And obviously there's other things involved like food and sleep, but it, it, it's made such a drastic difference because I get to move every day and love what I'm doing. It's deep. So deep. Well, and I think to to your point, and I wonder, is it anthropologist? It could be. I'm totally. I don't know. We don't have a. Someone tell us. We don't have a Google person next to us. I do think, though, and the Foot Collective. I'm not a part of the Foot Nerd program, but I've for sure consumed and absorbed a certain degree of that information as you've kind of been going through it. And I think, to your point movement now isn't really required for survival in the way that it mm-hmm. has been, right, for our ancestors. But now it's more required for health. And then I would also say, too, that, right, when you say, you, I, would, I don't know if you've coined it, but you, you talk a lot about move more, exercise less. I definitely have heard that from right, other people. Right, for sure. So moving more and exercising less, which of course, as we've said in other episodes, that exercise is really important, it's really valuable, Mm -hmm. it supports community, all those things. That also makes me think about environment, right? Yes. So you've started to, you've made those changes that you've aforementioned. How do you think, right, separate from maybe other changes that, that we've made from when we were talked about lifestyle, how do you think that the way that you move throughout the day has started to evolve? I think that it first began as 
back in like middle school, just doing a bunch of curls and bench press and tricep work and shoulder work, you know, just traditional, very simple bodybuilder stuff. In middle school, which yeah. just blows my mind, folks. <laughs> it blows my mind. I was like, we had a little tiny, like, random home gym thing that my parents bought but then never used, so I got to use it. Uh, that's you got so, That's right. So it went from there to in high school training for sports-specific purposes and obviously aesthetic purposes at the time. And then in uh, high school into college is when I got into CrossFit more, and that's when I began coaching CrossFit. And then a lot of it was like, hey, I wanted to get better. I was exercising for competition mm-hmm. uh, to you know, compete at a regional level and still have some stuff where if I played recreational sports, I wanted to win with whatever team I was on. And how it's evolved over those time to now has been it was if I wasn't exercising, I really, other than breathing, blinking, eating, like movements that are accumulated during resting positions, I was really doing no other movement. I wasn't getting on the ground and doing crawling positions or sitting in different styles on the floor or doing balance beam stuff for fun. And I wasn't hanging from things or climbing on things for fun or anything like that. And I think back to that, the only time I really did run around, crawl a lot, jump a lot, climb a lot, roll around on the ground, do a bunch of different positions was when I was a little kid. And I specifically think back to when uh, our family would go visit uh, my mama in central Pennsylvania and she had a huge hill that led up to her house and a tree at the bottom of it and we would climb the tree all the time. I remember mm-hmm. having conversations all the time with my brother and my cousin as we would climb the tree and run up and down and roll down the hill and play along the hill. And that was the only other time up until now, so there was a huge gap. That was the only other time up until now that I had actually had a movement based lifestyle yeah well and also when you describe climbing trees at mom mom's yeah and then kind of what you've been incorporating now and what we've been incorporating because I've been lucky enough to be a part of that with you has been your playing yeah right when you're little and you're running around you're climbing trees you're you're playing and I think back <laughs> to how right, I used to be able to like dead hang and get my legs up through and over and then yeah. I could hang off a bar from like by my legs and um, and how important play was how have you started to impact right because if you tell someone you should play more right yeah. and you're like, what does what? that mean I don't have time to play what does that mean talk to me about what how you've incorporated play in terms of movement in in your slash our lifestyle well, some of the ways that we incorporate play that I really like is when I we really do... like how I'm totally interviewing now. I know, like, right? Sorry. Interview mode. Um, when you and I do specifically the squat game and the mirroring game. So for anyone listening, um, I have it on my Instagram, but the squat game is you just stand as close as you can to one another and you try and do a squat together. But to make it more challenging, you can add in rules. And this is kind of something that I got from Ido Portal. And it's the idea of when you add more rules, your body actually will be forced to move in a different way. So maybe now you do your squat, but you're in a little bit more of a staggered stance position. And that's the rule. You have to stay in the staggered stance position as you go through the squat. Or maybe you have to go through the squat and when you do it, you have to keep your arms crossed with the other person. But 
you can't let your arms touch their shoulders. And the same thing applies to the mirroring game where one person is the leader and maybe, and when I say mirroring game, I mean you can literally do any movement or phrase or facial expression that you want and the goal of the other person is to just to mirror it. Mm -hmm. And so it's cool because you'll be able to test what positions you can get into and what positions your person that you're playing with can get into. And then you can add in different rules like, okay, well, as we do the mirroring game, you're not allowed to move your back. So it requires a lot more movement in the knees and in the hips. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're not allowed to move your knees, so now it requires way more movement in the hips and in the spine. And maybe it's, hey, the, new, the next new rule is your arms cannot go below the height of your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Well, you can still get into a bunch of different ranges, but you're really gonna need to think and move into different positions. And I mean, how many of us can say, based on our exercise routine, how many new movements we do all the time, yeah. right? When you do those mirroring games, you do new movements all the time, and the effects that that has to have on your, on your brain and things like neuroplasticity with it and being able to be creative in that sense, right? Like I feel that a lot of people will use other avenues for creativity, like drawing or maybe making music or doing different types of art, and they should because that's amazing, but I think people miss out and they might think, oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't do those things. Well, you know what everyone can do? You can move. Mm -hmm. And that can be your own way to express yourself. You just have to try it and you'll just get better at it the more you do it the same way that you would do those other art skills, yeah. right? And so that's how I would say it becomes really important to, to try and move a lot more. Yeah. Oh, so I'm totally sorry. I totally forgot where I was going there. That's that's the games. <laughs> no worries. So, I was like, hey, yeah. well, you turn. Yeah. So that's that's the games that we play. Uh, and for those of you that are like, I have no idea what to do. I feel really nervous about it. If you go outside and you're like, I'm just gonna move, you're probably immediately caught by a sense of boredom and terror of I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm around other people, they're probably gonna think I'm a weirdo. Well, current good news, if you're outside, you're probably social distancing, so there's no one around you. So the only person making you feel weird is yourself. But you can find different resources on YouTube or on Instagram. Great groups to follow would be, uh, or to YouTube search, would be The Foot Collective, would be uh, Eater Portal, would be MoveNet, uh, anyone that does type of like animal flow stuff. But again, understanding that it doesn't have to follow sets and reps. And when you get a base level foundation, you then have the ability to get creative. Like when I first started out, had no clue what I was doing. But I saw some movement flow stuff from MoveNet. I saw some different weird positions to do from Edo Portal and different games. And then I had other resources that I got from the Foot Collective with balance beams and play on purpose and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a foundation to then try and get creative off of once I had tried it myself. And when you get to do that, the feeling of it being an eye moment of, oh, I don't want to feel weird. I don't want to look dumb. That goes away because the point is you're just trying to express your body and, ex and express creativity. And you hit a point where you're not even thinking about movement and you kind of hit into a flow state. And that's not going to happen with sets and reps because when you're doing sets and reps, what are you probably thinking about? I'm on this rep. I have this much to go. Come on, I can do this. I just got to push through it. And those things are all fine. But what if that's not the point? What if when you move, it's not always supposed to be 
I had this many sets left, I had this many reps left, once I get this done, then yes, I'll finally feel better now that I've finished doing my exercise for the day. Now I'm allowed to feel good. You can feel good all the time. You just gotta move more. Yeah. Yeah. So use those resources, dabble in your home before you go outside, and when in doubt, act like a weirdo. And chances are you're probably doing movement good. <laughs> Heck yeah, keep it weird. That's right, keep it weird. Yeah. What do you think, babe? What do you like the most with the movement stuff that we've done? I would say, man, what do I like the most? Mm -hmm. I think that... What's some movement changes that we've done okay. that you like the most? All right. And if you had to pick a game you prefer, what would it be? The movement changes that I like the most have really been small and subtle. Mm -hmm. I love walking, and I really enjoy, and, and right in this experience, I wish all the people could see our cute puppy right now. He's just like, yes, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Get it to a vlog. Thank you so much. Um, the movement changes I think we've made that I've enjoyed the most have been the ones that are really geared towards play, mm -hmm. right? And then also the ones that are really simple and also just really primal mm -hmm. and walking. I think that walking has oh, been something yes. that's been really impactful as it requires you to quite literally pull away from what you're doing and to leave the environment where you might potentially feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And when, before the quarantine thing happened, when I would work, I started incorporating walking breaks when it was appropriate or applicable, right? Work for a couple of hours, go on a walk. Have a touch base or a meeting or a conference call, take it on my phone and do it while I'm walking. Mm -hmm. And then that started to turn into, all right, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one meetings with team members. I thank you, buddy. I'm doing one-on-one -on -one meetings with team members. We're gonna do it while we walk. And we're gonna, it won't constrict us and we're gonna get away from this environment. Mm -hmm. And just incorporating more walking, not, not even just with myself, but with other people around me, really just started to make me feel more connected to myself, but then also showed, showed me in a unique way that our bodies are capable of change in a really miraculous way. Mm -hmm. And how moving our bodies also can help others be capable to make mm -hmm. miraculous changes. So walking has been my favorite. And, and now what's really great is being in this self-quarantine and doing a lot of remote work is if I find myself feeling distracted or overwhelmed or anxious or, I mean, uptight, which is usually can be my go-to sometimes, a walk, a walk feels good. And a walk is something that usually most people can do. And... And if you can't, you can roll, you know? So yeah. I think that's pretty exciting. Oh, I hate myself for just saying this is exciting. I'm so sorry. No. I think it's good. The, the one thing that I like to say with walking is probably also what a lot of people don't realize is you get into like a sink where you're walking on the same pace, mm -hmm. right? Unless someone likes to walk really, really quick or really slow, in which case that aggravates you. But people get... <laughs> I don't mean you. <laughs> People get on the on the same pace, they're walking the same stride, and I think that it leads to way better conversation 
than when you're just sitting down in one spot. And it, I feel like movement goes so well with that creativity and relaxation piece and allows people to really express their thoughts or their feelings or whatever is needed for whatever currently they're doing. I would even say too with falling in sync with people with walking, one of my favorite two things, my first favorite thing about walking in present time is that when I start walking, I even if it's unintentionally, even if I haven't had a stressor, I've had a really good day, my my footsteps are a little bit heavier mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit more noisy when I'm doing it. And then by the end of the walk I can't hear my feet, mm-hmm. right? And I'm walking lighter, and I'm walking in a way that's a little bit more comfortable. I'm less focused on maybe what's around me or what's going on or walking the dog, and I'm able to tune into different parts of my body just mm-hmm. by doing this basic movement. And also, you know, t- to your point of finding movement, as when you said earlier that how movement can be kind of your own form of art and expression, Uh I had enjoyed running. And that was just something that I kind of found accidentally in the beginning. And my big form of expression was music and and singing and playing instruments. Which is still movement. Which totally is still movement. And when I had some health issues, I found myself in 2012, I had experienced some significant weight gain. And I was unhealthy and I needed to make a change. Because I, because I needed it, right? I needed to make a change so that way I could, the quality of my life would be better and so I could be alive longer. And I remember at that time feeling really overwhelmed and, and knowing little to nothing about movement or mm-hmm. even like health and wellness and exercise, like even just exercise as a whole. I knew nothing, right? Other than the health class I took. I wasn't big in team sports at all in school and... And so I remember just, even even what I know now, I think, oh my gosh, like, you go, Britt. You fucking did it. Sorry for the, sorry for the explicit content. Yeah, we'll put explicit on we'll this. We'll put explicit on this episode. And I remember at that time not really knowing what to do, and it was causing me stress because I wanted to make a change and I wasn't sure how. And so my, my solution to that was I would put in my, like, little nano iPod thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to music and I would walk around the block where I was living. And I remember it now because it was a special part of my evolution. It would take me 35 to 40 minutes to get around one loop of the townhome complex that I lived in. And that was okay. And it made me move and I felt happy and I felt good. And the next thing you know, it, a year goes by and I remember, I, I, I told myself, a, a whole year, right? Mm-hmm. 12 months, That's a, that feels like a long time, right? I didn't even notice it, and suddenly I'm doing my thing in the neighborhood, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try to jog. I think I can maybe jog. I think I can maybe jog this whole lap, and I did it, and I jogged that whole lap, and I didn't think about it because I wasn't doing it with a specific expectation, which removed some limitations for me. Mm-hmm. Is I was just moving, and and that walk, just walking, really started to change my life. So I thought that was really cool. And then later, flash forward six or seven years, after I had a tumor that hemorrhaged in my brain and really started to get to my optic nerve and I was like seated for a year plus and couldn't do anything, I remember feeling so overwhelmed. Like, how am I gonna, mm-hmm. like I haven't gotten out of a bed in, in a year, like what's it gonna be like? 
And I remember walking. I'll be able to walk. Okay, I literally can just walk. And that's changed my life before and it can change my life again. And here it is continuing to change my life because I'm getting to take walks with you and our dogs. So, so walking. Walking has been the biggest thing. And now I do it more than just when I'm... I need a release. I do it as a part of my day and I do it with others. And I, my hope is that they find joy in that mm -hmm. and getting to move someone. So that would be that. And then play the way that we've structured play. I really like, you know, I love the mirroring games that we do and, you know, get standing as close to each other and trying to squat is, or move and not, not make contact is, is one of the is one of my favorite things because you're doing something independently right on your own but you're doing it at the same time with someone else and I think that that is what life usually is genuine is generally like mm -hmm. and I think that that's really fun and then to watch other people also play those games when we saw Mandy and CJ do mm -hmm. those games and and even though they have unique distinct personalities just like we do too you could still see the joy like not the happiness but the joy that yeah. comes from that is really fun and most notably, us being in the yard and moving around. We have these small, for the listeners, we have these round stones that lead up to the steps yeah, like that come to our cinder apartment. Block things, yeah. yeah, they're like round stepping stones, but they're flat. I mean, they look like weight plates, but they're cement. Yeah. And so we get out in the yard and we hang from the steps and we do like karaoke shuffles and when we run and then suddenly hockey check, hockey check each other. Oh right? yeah. Or just when there's a distance between the two of us in the yard and you right, kind of like do a pseudo squat and you look at me like you're about to run at me. <laughs> Something about that I think is really primal and juvenile. And as you know, cause it, I get, I'm having emotional um, arousal right now. It makes me giggle and laugh yeah. so hard and it makes me want to run. Like there's just something right. That, the frontal lobe of my brain, um, which is something that you could actually read about in the mindfulness trauma book, right? Mm -hmm. Learning about how your brain affects your, your emotions and how you react. I have this primal instinct to want to run when I think someone's chasing me. And so literally running around in the yard, the idea that I'm being chased is, is really fun for me. And playing the rock, paper, scissors game in the yard mm, is yeah. fun, right? Just things that kind of have an element of surprise, but you're still moving around without an expectation, even a walk. I'm going to go from here to there. There's a bit of an expectation on that. And yeah. I think that play, not that expectations aren't good in life, obviously, mm -hmm. but I think having a movement when we do that and we play in the yard, that's probably my favorite, um, my favorite play. And I love the beam. I love the foot collective beam. Oh, so good. Particularly because in Dirty Dancing, Please don't. You've I've seen, seen it a long okay. time ago. Gosh. All right. Well, you haven't seen Kill Bill, so I just... I have seen Kill Bill. Are you sure you've seen Kill Bill? Just Pulp good. Fiction? Good. I don't know. Anyways. I haven't, I haven't had seen Pulp Fiction. Oh, 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 oh. it's breaking down. So in Dirty Dancing, right, they have that iconic scene where they're like out of the water and they're walking across the top of the log and she's like doing balance work. Mm -hmm. That's what I think about every time I walk on the beam. So I also awesome. like I also like that quite a bit. Yeah. That's sweet. Thanks. With... All of that and kind of continuing with uh, with movement mm -hmm. how do you feel incorporating that or I guess how do you feel comparing that to the type of movement that you did that you'd done when you were um, a collegiate athlete over at uh, Michigan 
I think that you can talk like differences in yeah. how it felt or how it was structured or like if you even were thinking about it back then to how you think about it now. I would say now when I think about movement, I'm a lot more mindful of my the experiences my body's been through mm-hmm. and thinking about how I can implement changes in the way that I move to sustain healthy movement patterns over time. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was running and doing cross country, I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking a lot about it, right? I, I was honestly most of the time just kind of happy that I was getting to be a part of something having started so late, right? Mm -hmm. I think that there's a part of me that felt um, like I was grateful for the routine and the structure. And so I would say the biggest difference probably would be food now. My body hadn't been through some of the, I mean, my body hadn't been through the cancers and through the surgeries then that it's been through now. So Mm -hmm. I think then, right, like you had pointed out with some of the weightlifting, it was a lot more, it was kind of team oriented, but it was also the training and the eating that I was doing was a little bit more aesthetic for me. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking about how is my performance now and the things that I'm doing now and the way that I'm training, how is that going to impact me long-term? Whereas I'm thinking about that a lot. I'm thinking a lot more about that now, right? Whereas then I had to, you know, hips totally made out of my own bone and um, I hadn't had a punctured lung and brain damage and and all sorts of stuff. And now that I have those things um, and my body's experienced those, I think I'm I'm more patient mm-hmm. with my training, um, and I'm more. You know what? Actually, I would say, before pain, if I experienced pain or soreness. That was telling me I wasn't working hard enough mm-hmm. or I wasn't training hard enough. And now, if I experience pain or soreness, it's telling me that I need to pay more attention. Mm-hmm. Right? That I need to, I need to quiet down to be able to listen to what my body is saying. It's an alarm. Mm-hmm. It's, yes, totally. It's an alarm. Whereas before, it was a, an aggressor. It was mm-hmm. like, you need, to, you need to act on this. Yeah, and I think too, you also, when you're, and you know, because you've, all the myriad of sports that you've been in and the teams that you've been on, you have a team of people helping and telling mm-hmm. you what you should do and kind of helping make decisions. And I think if you are an athlete in high school or college, there's a little bit more structure in that way because you aren't committing to as many other things in your mm-hmm. life as you are now. And now, I'm committed to so many different things. So I would say, I would say those are probably what's, what's different for me. And just the shift of moving my body then was about jumping over hurdles as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. And now, and, and really being able to do that and how well I could do that and how good I looked while I did that. Mm-hmm was really my focus and I think now moving my body 
differently and moving my body in a way that's not as aggressive and not as high impact has been my focus and then finding the same level of joy in that yeah you know it's interesting when you talk about sports i just had a thought where a lot of times people are concerned about uh people hyper focusing on one sport too soon Mm -hmm. and how that can affect them down the road with things like injury and so essentially what they're kind of saying is when you have consistent high frequency of movement but extremely low variability like someone will develop less and in this case it's a it's a sport right or maybe their risk for injury goes up because they're doing the same repetitive pattern all the time which can go with anything right in baseball it's a repetitive throwing motion in uh hockey it's a repetitive kind of like hunched over push driving position uh and in crossfit most of the time it's a forward and backward or an up and down right but when you take that and then you maybe it's weird make it more simple take away uh the reductionistic viewpoint look at it from a whole and then say hey let's just have them move more for where it's then high frequency and high variability understanding that obviously people have to develop skills Mm -hmm. uh, in certain things for for certain sports but it's almost like it's no wonder that kids perform so well when they do more things and it's because they're doing more movement and they're doing different types of movement more. Yeah. And so I think that that's, I'd never thought about it like that until you just had talked about the differences in your, in your training and kind of like the whys behind it. Yeah, I think too, you know, even though like maybe it's getting a little bit away from movement, mm-hmm. even though I don't think it is, is we all are going to be faced with this at some point Mm -hmm. and I think that some of us are going to be faced with it earlier than others the way that your body can move and will move will change and is going to change Mm -hmm. and that may be at different degrees and it may be in different um, it may have different extremes for others but when I think about how my body has moved and how it's gone through changes in the way that I train now, I think that's important for people to understand. And I, and I know that we all, on some mm-hmm. level, understand that, to really to face that and pay attention to that. And that's what, for me with movement, and one of the reasons I've enjoyed play, and I've enjoyed really trying to embrace this idea of it's about move more, exercise less, and just Mm -hmm. moving more throughout the day. That way you can also, when you are exercising, you're getting the most out of it. I've enjoyed that journey, and I've enjoyed interacting with that content so much because, you know, whether it's age or it's experiencing an extreme trauma or a surgery or an amputation or, um, or you're born with a different physiological structure, whatever that is, Mm I think understanding that movement, right, in itself is something that's really incredible and that movement isn't just defined as running or as doing a handstand walk mm-hmm. or as hitting a baseball, right? Like moving is, moving can be done with just your arms. It can be done rolling around on the floor. Like is something that I think people should keep in mind, right, is that you have to be you have to be aware that the way your body is and can move over time will change. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
fun and that you can only control a certain extent that to a certain extent and I yeah. think that play has helped me appreciate and focusing on movement and environment has helped me appreciate what my body can do so much more you know I think about when I when I what I asked you in the beginning which was if you are treating a movement problem with fitness mm-hmm. you're part of the problem when you gave all that information I I had goals and I had goals when I joined the gym and we met and I wanted to achieve certain things and we had to really discuss what that really was going to look like. Yeah. Right? Like we had to have a real conversation about how long it would take to acquire a skill because, and I know I'm giving a CrossFit example, but that's just because that's where my noviceness came in was, sure, we all would love to do an advanced gymnastic movement, but I had to... We had to start with where I was and mm-hmm. where my back was and where my, where my capability to do any kind of unilateral movement was at in mm-hmm. general. And how when we kind of removed, not the expectation, but we changed what the expectation was, that's really what removed the limiting factor for me was. And then we also, in play, were able to explore, okay, we have this moment and this time for exercise and here are my goals within exercise, right? Mm. And then we have play and movement that should be surrounding and encompassing all of that other time that cushions that exercise. And here's what we should and can do when we're moving throughout the rest of the hours of the day to make us feel good, to make us appreciate what we can do and what our bodies can do. And then also in a healthy way and in a way that's gonna sustain your long-term and overall health that will also support the goals that you have related to exercise, you know? So I've liked that. I've liked how we've changed kind of the expectation with exercise and removed some expectations with movement. Mm. And I think that's been a healthy, a healthy balance for me. Yeah. I, that was so long ago when we met for, to talk about your goals. It's interesting, kind of like the viewpoint that, and I think, like how I speak with athletes from then to now is even more different when I ask them about their goals and, and talk to them a little bit about movement. And when you're talking about like your body changing over time, I think there's a couple really interesting different things that go with that where it's one, our bodies are like masters at adaptation, mm-hmm. right? And we are evolved to move and we see people breaking down over time and kind of talking only about movement, not talking about food or anything like sure. that. We're, that's not supposed to happen really, right? Even for some of us that have had surgeries or trauma, like you're still, you still should be able to move, and obviously depending on what it was, but you still should be able to move quite a bit even with any adaptation uh, that you might have. And I think of a, of a couple different examples but it's kind of going along with the idea of, you know, the, the, they call them the diseases of civilization where it's like heart disease, diabetes, mm-hmm. certain types of cancer, uh, and how, you know, all of the cells in our body are equipped to assess movement or have something to assess movement with. And I think what's, what's interesting when you talk about movement and adaptation and how we change over time, well, it's kind of like know that you're that everyone's starting from a different point mm-hmm. and it's okay if you're starting from a different point. It doesn't matter where others are at. It matters where you're at mm-hmm. and the best time to start is today, right? Like you can, you can move more yeah. and 
you know, to talk about how really our movement will be shaped by our environment, both like internal, the way that we perceive our environment, and then external, the actual environment they're in. They go over the example of like why, in, in the one book, Move Your DNA, they go over the example of why caged uh, orca whales have the flattened fin, or the lymph fin, or whatever it's called. And they've thought previously through a microscope view that it was like, oh, this is like a genetic thing. That these, these ones are more likely to get it. And the same things happens with, with people where it's like, oh, you know, you're, sorry, your knee kind of bummed out, but that just happens a lot with people at your age. Or your back, you know, your discs are bulging, but that just kind of happened with people at your age. And it's like, well, yeah, well, that's because we have such a large population of pool of all these people that are not moving in a way that they could or in a way that they should. And so going from the example again to the, from the whale to humans, they're in a small tank where they can only swim in a certain direction and they don't get the same type of adaptations from movement of different variants uh, uh, or different variability and different frequency, right? Because orcas aren't allowed to, or are not capable of swimming at deep depths at high speeds downward and, and then going back upward, which would make sense that the fin would need to be strong to be able to withstand that. And then if you take that and look at it as okay, will the environment cause them to have to move in a certain way which affected their body, and then take that to humans. Well, you know, hey, it's normal that your knee is bothering you, like I said, and it's normal that your discs are bulging. Well, what if it's just because you wear crappy shoes that are deforming your feet, you sit a lot, which is affecting your hips, and so now your knee's all, all you know, messed up, and then you've been sitting all the time while you've been working, so now your spine is compressed, pushing the discs out, and then, oh, on top of that, then you're going to go try and exercise and do a bunch of lifting or a bunch of body weight stuff, which is just putting more stress on your body, which has adapted to be in these positions to make you really good at sitting and make you really good at, you know, not moving for long periods of time. But then when all of a sudden you try and throw in other types of movement, you're going to see that negative effect like you would see in an orca that has that flattened fin. So with all that being said... I think it's kind of crazy to see the differences that people can develop over time should they make differences in just trying to move a little bit more, whether that's a walk or whether that's a jog or whether that's trying to spend a little bit more time on the floor or whether that's you have a pull-up bar hung up in your house and every time you walk by it, you hang from it for like five seconds, right? Because you're increasing that frequency um, that you're moving. But I think when people finally stop, when people move more, and they stop saying, oh, this is, this is happening to me because that's just the way it is. Well, the point is, if you're living in a you know, first world scenario, you're probably, your environment's working against you, and so is everything that's been taught to you mm -hmm. when it comes to, to movement, right? Like, we are great at playing as kids and terrible, most of us, terrible at playing uh, as soon as we're out of being children, right? As soon as we're into you know, high school, right? Anything that's not a sport, we just don't know how to play. Yeah. And I find that that is crazy. If anything, we should be better at playing as we get older. You know? Yeah. I think with play and even with making those changes, I think it can be hard to do that if you aren't paying attention or if you maybe are in a position where you don't feel like you have the access to the education of that. And I think... You know, we're talking about movement, we talk about play and how our, how 
our approach to those things have changed. And I remember, I can't remember what it was, but I did some kind of workout. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because anytime I run, it feels so natural and it feels really good. And I don't, f- and, and to a point, that's probably why I like it so much, I don't feel like I have to try. Yeah. I'm never sore after doing it. I'm not, I don't feel tense or tight. Like, I feel great. Barefoot running in, in our barefoot shoes, oh, yeah, I feel it. excellent in those. So I'd always feel really good about that, which is always why I'm just grinning ear to ear anytime there's, Jesus, a 400-meter run in anything. It's like, yes. <laughs> um, yes. However, anytime I would do anything else in class, I would feel terrible. <laughs> like, I would not feel good. And... And I would, and, and by not feel good, right? Like I could perform the movement. Mm-hmm. Was the movement standard or quality really great? Yeah. Maybe not, right? But I was. Or, or, or were you ready for like the capacity of that movement? Right, mm-hmm. totally. Which is why you are the professional in my coach. You're great. <laughs> um, and I remember what I felt like I needed was I was like, I need education, right? Like mm-hmm. if I knew, if my body knew this as well as my body knew running, maybe I would feel different when I was doing that movement. And then that made me think about, well, why does my body feel so good when I run and it doesn't feel good when I do this thing? And when I was younger and running, I had a running coach. Yeah. I had a running coach. Someone taught me how to do that. And But more specifically, they really taught me a lot about my legs and yeah. about and, and really educated me about what that should look like and feel like and, and the different parts of, of, of our hips and, and, and down to like our knees and, and our ankles and stuff and what that should look like. And... And I went to see Lance at RX Cairo and really just kind of explained how I felt and where I felt tension and tightness. And and ultimately, I wanted education, right? Mm-hmm. Because my body had been through tons of changes and, and was feeling different. And like, shit, right? Parts of my back I couldn't even feel. Mm-hmm. And Lance educated me, right? And really kind of helped shift my mindset of, you know, okay, don't take away anything that I'm doing. But what if I added the same amount of time of educating myself on where my body was at Mm -hmm. and what I could do to make, give, to help get my body in a place where it was ready to perform those movements at the capacity at which I was performing them. I needed help with that. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't sought someone out to help me with that, with that body awareness, right? I don't think that I would have seen change either, you know? So, and I think, and I think that helped me appreciate too where my body was at and also planted the seed of when we play, even when we play in the yard mm-hmm. or when we walk, when I feel, when I finish that, I feel a sense of accomplishment much, very much similar to the way that I would when I get something down for the first time at the gym. Yeah. And I think that is special. It gives you more opportunities for enjoyment and creativity and success. Mm-hmm. And I mean, along the way, all those little failures, but they all are like learning points. And kind of like when you're talking about learning and education, I think one of the things that you do so well is you're not just saying, hey, someone tell me what to do. I don't care why. I just want to do this. And that could even be kind of one of the main driving points behind the reason for this podcast Mm -hmm. is, you know, we're just sharing personal experiences and our thoughts on certain things. But ultimately, it's things that we've learned through the education that we've read or been taught by others. 
and that has allowed us to make drastic changes in our lives. And so if you really want to make a change in movement, there's resources for you, but the onus is on you to try and educate and actually try it out for yourself. Because I think a lot of times there's templates or this, you know, get fit in 30 days or get abs and stuff like that. Yeah. Or, hey, do this fitness routine because it's the best thing and it's just nothing else is good. But when you step back from that and you just try and become educated on movement as a whole or health as a whole or moving more or any type of like lifestyle or mindfulness or kind of like the pillars of health that we talk about, when you take importance in your own health and to try and be educated on it and then try and act on it and you're actually skeptical at least about it from the beginning and you try and implement those things in the experience and in the, you know, the lab of your own life and you pick things that do work, pick things that don't work, but you're aware of the different factors that kind of come into play. I think that's, you, you do those things so well and I think that's why you've been able to make really great changes in the way that you move and how you feel about movement and how you think about movement because you've taken things that you've learned from others, whether it was read or spoken to or listened to, and you've implemented it into your life and you've figured out things that have worked and figured out things that haven't worked. Yes, and I would say too to what you, something you said earlier, which is we're all in different spots, Yes. right? You have to know that. And it's easy to know that when, it's easier to know that I think at certain times than others. And I think it's important that I remind myself and also that anyone listening knows there is no prerequisite needed to move more mm -hmm. and play more. That's not necessary. And I think regardless of what your goals are or what outcomes you desire, if you move more and you play more in whatever way that you can that you can and that and that and to whatever is play to you like to me yeah. play is you know bumping up against you when we're running to someone else play might just be doing cornhole out in the yard right yeah. like whatever that is playing more and moving more if you stick with it in the same way that you stick with your manicure routine your skincare and makeup purchasing routine your eyelash routine your hair color routine your Sunday football routine, your beard bomb routine, whatever it is, right? Like we know how to commit time and energy to things. Mm -hmm. And if you commit to moving and playing more over time, I don't think you'll be able to help but look back and think about how it's impacted your life positively mm -hmm. and helped you impact other people's lives positively. Um, and it'll bring you joy. Well said, babe. I think that's a great place to cut it off. Heck yeah. Love you, man. Love you too. Well, thanks y'all for listening. We'll uh, list any Instagram accounts or books that we think would be good to check out for a movement. And as always, keep on living that sweet and sour life. And let us know if you have any questions.